Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Eiten, as always with my co-host, Todd Atkins. Good afternoon. Uh, and today we're joined by two great guests, Chuck Peters and Scott McConnell. Uh, Chuck is the director of LifeWay Kids and Scott is the executive director of LifeWay Research. And today we want to talk to them about the current trends with Generation Z and Generation Alpha um, and kids ministry. Um, it's great to have both of you guys on the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, glad to join you. Okay, so anytime we talk about research, people always love podcasts about research. I'm not sure why, Scott. Maybe it's your personality. Can't be your winning smile, which nobody can see. But <laughs> um, what are what are some of the trends that you're seeing with Gen Z right now, and in primarily America? What what are you seeing? Yeah, let me lead off as researchers always have to do with a little caveat, and that is no generation is completely different than other generations. Mm -hmm. We just see small variations in, in each generation. And so as I mention these things, you're going to say, wow, I, I've probably seen some of that in my generation or my parents' generation, but we just see a little more of it in the emerging generations. Uh, and so the, the first of those things is that we see Generation Z identifying that their mental health is not what it should be. And some of that is they've been trained from the very earliest age to use that kind of term terminology, to be, to be aware of those things going on in their lives. But they're much quicker to say, I'm not where I should be. I, I'm, I'm not in a, a good place mentally. We also see that Gen Z tends to stress out about a lot of things that we see in the news. Um, we see that they're, they're more likely to be stressed about mass shootings. They're more likely to be stressed about uh, the rise in suicide rates. They're more likely to be worried about climate change. They're, they're more likely to be worried about uh, separation and, and deportation. Mm -hmm. they're, they're more likely to be concerned about sexual harassment and assault. And so, again, these aren't completely different than other generations, but these are just heightened uh, in this emerging generation. And, you know, it begins to, to, to affect their lives. The other thing that we see is there's a trend toward younger generations, especially Gen Z, seeking to define themselves. In my generation, Generation X, there were big defined cliques. You were, you were a jock or you were a nerd or, you know, these were big groups. We, 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 we kind of joked about them. We kind of lamented the fact they even existed, but yet they existed. And it's kind of ironic that instead of trying to do away with those, the pressure that apparently is coming from older generations, um, the pressure that's on the younger generation is to define yourself. And so they're creating groups of one or really tiny groups that almost by definition, um, as they choose their own identity, these are really tiny groups and they tend to be at the fringe and, and, and the pressure is on to try to defend that position 
connection that they've created. Um, and so, you know, that's a completely different dynamic that I think many of us grew up mm. in. Um, so in addition to the stresses that they're hearing about, um, they're, the, the, this, this identity pressure is a big one for Generation Z. Okay, so I know um, from talking to Scott before and even a little bit before the podcast, you know, obviously there's more research that's able to be done on Generation Z because of their age. And you mentioned, hey, you can't even get to the younger part of Generation Z because of their age um, as far as, you know, being able to survey and research. So I want to turn over to Chuck for a minute and just say anecdotally, you talk to churches literally every day about their, their, their kids ministries and just, are you seeing some of the same things in your conversations with churches? You know, what would you draw out there? Yeah, well, there's certainly a difference in how the current generation thinks and approaches life. So we talk about worldview, right? It's it's a worldview issue. The worldview that that I have, uh, Scott, I'm a Gen X or two. I'm with you. It's the greatest generation that's been overlooked, <laughs> off overlooked, but highly influential. Let's come on. So, I mean, so there's a huge difference in how kids today see the world and how they interact with culture, uh, how they how they think. And so we cannot come at them from our point of view and and make assumptions that they think how we do. Mm. And so one of the, one of the most practical things that we need to take away from the research that, that Scott has done in partnership with us, uh, which by the way, is phenomenal research uh, that we have captured in in a book that I'm sure we'll get to talk about a little bit later uh, called flip the script, where we unpack this research and how it, how it affects Gen Z and Generation Alpha uh, and how that needs to change the way we do ministry. The the short story is we can't do what we've always done and expect a different outcome, right? That's insanity. And so we as the church have to adapt based on the research to use different approaches to connect with kids in ways that are actually meaningful. Otherwise, we can be talking at them and not having the things that were said heard or received. And that's something that could turn a generation generation away from the Lord instead of drawing it to him. Well, Chuck, let's let's get to that. Let's um, let's talk about the uh, book Flip the Script. First off, where could somebody find it? But also give us an overview of what it is and what are some of your kind of key takeaways from the book? Yeah. So we set out uh, to address the problem for the church. So we as Lifeway kids and Lifeway students uh, work together in in collaboration uh, regularly. And so as we looked at the church, the current situation of the church and the culture coming out of COVID with a need to say, what does the church need today? What can we do to serve the church better today? We said the church really is does not have a resource that was created explicitly with understanding to reach this generation, Gen Z, and then the upcoming generation alpha. And so we set out together to do some research on the culture, but also to communicate with the church. As Todd said, we're in constant communication to say, what are your pain points? What are the areas where uh, where resources are falling short or missing the mark? What do you wish was available? And then we set out to create something that brings together the needs of the church, the needs of the culture, and the needs of this generation. And so that's uh, that culmination 
culminated uh, in, in a book uh, that we call Flip the Script. And so Flip the Script, it's, there's a couple places to find it. Uh, one is uh, always Lifeway.com, right? Whenever you want to find good books, Lifeway.com is the only .com you need to know. So Lifeway.com, sorry, I'm, I am a podcaster myself. If you're a kids ministry person, I'd love to have you pop over to the Kids Ministry 101 podcast sometime, available wherever you find podcasts. But Lifeway.com is the place. So Lifeway.com slash flip the script is the easy way to get there. You can also find it by a little self-promotion here again, lifeway.com slash kids. If you're looking for anything kids ministry, lifeway.com slash kids, and you will find a link to the book there as well. So that's where you find it. Uh, But all of our research came together in a book that then subsequently informed a brand new resource that we are creating uh, that will be available in the fall for preschool kids and student ministries that gives you the tools to actually do the things we've talked about in the book. So what we've done in the book is we've sought to understand and explain to adults the way the current generation of kids sees the world, how they think and what they need. Uh, and then we've, we've outlined a strategy for ministry that's informed by this knowledge. So what we have is uh, we've identified some really big cultural needs that kids have these days, right? That, are, that, that may be news to us or maybe things that we kind of are aware of, but maybe haven't put words to uh, in ministry. And so we've identified through our research with Scott and through our communication with churches, two fundamental giant cultural needs that really are common to all of Gen Z and Generation Alpha. They're common to other generations as well, like Scott said, but this generation, we we know it's the most connected generation in all of history through technology. And so because of the connection through technology, we may assume that they are a connected generation. But on the contrary, what we have learned is, although they're the most connected generation of all time through technology, they are simultaneously the loneliest and most isolated generation in history. And so what we have is we have an epidemic of loneliness, of isolation, uh, of separation, IRL, right, as the kids would say, in real life, in real life. So there's this, this false sense of connection through technology through apps and through online friends, right? And connections. But in real life, kids don't have real relationships. And so as we dig into that problem and investigate that, that the reality of that situation, we've identified some strategies that we need to uh, implement within the church to help create real connection and true belonging for kids right? Discipleship, well, a walk with the Lord in general is relational. It's about relationships, right? It's a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. It's not a checklist of do's and don'ts and things. You know, we get hung up in the church and in in our older generations, many of us maybe left the church with an experience where we felt like what it meant to be a Christian is about what you know. And it's about intellectualism. It's about filling heads with knowledge and Bible facts and terminology and Bible trivia. And that's what it means to be a Christian. If you know all that stuff. Well, we know that that knowledge is not enough, right? That's not the whole picture of faith. It's a part of it. We need to, we need to have understanding of God's word and of truth. But if we stop at knowledge, we miss the heart. 
Likewise, others have been led to believe that maybe what it means to be a Christian is about what you do. It's, it's about uh, behavioralism, right? And, and so then it becomes, a, uh, the Bible becomes a rule book of do's and don'ts, of, uh, of thou shalt nots, right? That, that become behavioral, uh, behavior modification becomes an approach where we try to say, if we can only get kids to not do these things or not use those words. Well, we know that just like intellectualism is not what it means to be a Christian and behavioralism is not, those things have to come together with something else. And that other thing is relationship, hmm. right? It's, it's, it's really what it comes down to is what these two big cultural needs I alluded to that we found in this generation are these two things. There's a deep cultural need that they have for belonging. And there's a big cultural void that they have in their identity. And so the two big things that Flip the Script digs in on and that the new resource that we will be launching soon are focused on is helping kids find a place to belong. And that place, they're going to find it somewhere, right? So kids are searching for belonging. I like to say they're longing for belonging. Every kid out there is searching for someone who will accept them, who will see them, who will love them, who will welcome them. Sometimes those kids are looking for anyone who will see them, welcome them, and receive them, right? And so what we need to make sure is that they find a sense of place in the church and in the faith, they're also dying to find identity. They are craving it. They're searching for it. They're hungry for it. And they're looking to all kinds of places. The world has a whole bunch of false identities that it wants to sell to our kids. And we as the church have to communicate to them more than Bible stories, more than behavioral modification. We have to speak to them not what to do and not what to think, but who they are. That they have value because they are made by God and known by God. That their identity is something that he has determined and that he's gifted to them, not something that they need to discover. Right. So this is at the core of what the book is. So we talk about the need for belonging and identity and then strategies for how to create a culture of belonging within, the, within our churches and how to speak to this need for identity through 12 big biblical identity truths that we've identified. Very cool. Okay. So I think it's really interesting when I think about going back to long years uh, and being a student <laughs> pastor myself, you would watch kids students at the time, you would watch uh, a couple in particular, I saw, you know, really get into skateboarding, mm -hmm. or really get into, you know, goth at the time, or really getting into like sports, whatever. The interesting thing to me is that they were looking for a place to belong. Mm -hmm. And once they found that place to belong, it in heavily influenced their identity. It wasn't I know who I am. And then I found my place to belong as much as I'm looking for acceptance. I'm looking for a place to belong. And then that in turn somewhat defines my identity. Yeah. Um, so I really think it's super important to really understand um, that, that that's, you know, the number one and two need that you pointed out there. The book, by the way, is gorgeous. Uh, it's, it's full for me. You know, it looks like, 
a book of infographs and, and <laughs> it's very visual. Yes. It's, it's very that visual. speaks to so, Todd's love language. That's and definitely mine. my love language. I love charts and graphs. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's true. Okay. So I wanna um, I wanna go back over and tee up Scott here for a second on uh, on a different question. And that is so you know, listening to this, I want you to go back though to the research about uh, you know, Gen Z is there research about how the church can specifically uh, how how it's doing and how it relates to Gen Z and maybe you know what what we could change to be more helpful in reaching Gen Z at the macro level there, there's a big trend happening in the United States and that is people are stepping away from religion completely mm-hmm. and so if, if if we start with the oldest generation the silent generation and then the baby boomers and then generation X and then Millennials the percent who identify as a Christian drops a bunch with each generation let me just rattle off the numbers from the silent generation to baby boomers to Gen X to, to Millennials 84% down to 76% down to 67% down to 49%. And that's the generation before generation Z. So fewer and fewer Americans are identifying as a Christian. Now thankfully the portion of the Christians that attend church is relatively similar through each of those generations. But because there's a drop in how many are identifying as a Christian, there are fewer of each generation in church. And so we we get to millennials and Gen Z, and we see that the majority of them have grown up in homes that are not attending religious services each week. And that's a big flip for our culture. It's a big flip for us in the church and how we we need to be approaching these new generations because the, the majority of young people that we're trying to reach that are Gen Z and Generation Alpha are in homes that are not in church. And, you know, as we start stepping toward the, the more details of, of things, uh, we see that the church was already falling short in the in the millennial generation uh, where we see that 50 percent of young adults who stepped away from church after high school said that the sermons were irrelevant we also see that more than two-thirds of young adults who stayed in church happened to be in a church where they found that the sermons relevant so we see that many churches have not kept up with each generation and been talking to the needs that have been on the, those generations' hearts. And so if we're not proactive, as Chuck mentioned, if, if we just keep doing the same things, we're gonna reach fewer and fewer people. Right. And, and so really this calls for really a philosophy shift. So let me ask this question. I do wanna get back to the philosophy question, but something you mentioned there, anecdotally, I get to talk to pastors every day as well. and. One of the things that I've heard is that we have, you know, fewer people or less volunteers and, but then digging into conversations, um, I think I've heard you say that people are attending church less. So I'm wanting to know, do you have any information on that? I know it may not be on this study, but you know, it's not that you have, uh, less volunteers, you may have your volunteers less. Is that the case? Yes, we, we definitely have, in most churches, the majority of people are not volunteering. 
Right. Now, it's not the 80-20 principle that the pastors like to throw out there that only 20% are volunteering. Um, but the, you know, half of your church does not have regular responsibilities. So, so there is a need for more volunteers in the church. And that, that, that definitely influences how, how well a, a church can respond to a new generation because it takes, it takes people to do that. It's not just a pastor. It's not just a, a, a kid's minister or a, or a student minister that's, that's doing that work. It needs to be, you know, really a whole team working together to, to, to create the experiences and the relationships that are needed there. Are attendees attending less? The, those numbers are, are a little clouded because the last few years, everybody's attended less through COVID. <laughs> right. And we're still trying to bounce back from from that. But I, I think that exasperated what we were starting to see before that, which is we have a, you know, there, there's still a similar number of church attendees, um, again, among among those who identify as Christians, but they're, they're coming one less time a month and, and that type of, of habit that you know, makes it difficult to disciple them as adults. It makes it difficult to be asking them to volunteer if you're not sure they're going to be there. And it, it, it does create, it creates issues. Scott, I'm, I'm curious, as you talk about people attending church less, are, are you seeing that particularly in certain parts of the country? Is that, you know, U.S. wide? What does the kind of research tell you about that? I don't necessarily have have clear patterns on that. You know, during COVID, there were some clear patterns. You know, during COVID, mainline churches and African American churches tended to be closed longer, and so we've seen that the rebound of attendance in those churches has been slower and more difficult. The, the, the habit of attending was broken, and it was broken for longer, and so it's been difficult to get those folks back into church. Uh, in, in contrast, we see that almost twice as many Hispanic churches have attendance that's higher than it was before COVID than Protestant churches in total. Um, and so we see so, some definite differences um, across churches you know, a, a, in terms of their rebound with COVID. Um, it's a little harder to see those differences in, in terms of just you know, moving from, you know, attending 3.5 times a month to, to three times a month or, you know, some of those nuances that are sometimes a little, you know, sometimes those get lost in the totals, even though, you know, pastor after pastor you talk to is sensing it. Chuck, I want to ask you, as you hear all this research, if you, if you, as you've worked alongside of Scott on this book, like what advice would you give a kids minister who's listening to this podcast? Like what should they do with this research? Yeah, some of the things that Scott was just talking about are very, very real in the kid space. You know, how, how do you build a plan for discipleship when irregular attendance is the regular pattern, right? We don't have kids every week. And so if we try to take a, a use a chronological study, for instance, where we're going to study through the whole Bible over the course of a year or three years, and you have a kid every second week or only once a month, it's very hard to have a cohesive teaching plan, right? It, it affects what we do. Uh, when we have kids with no church backgrounds who don't have a biblical worldview, who have parents who are not 
in the church or walking with the Lord. Kids who don't understand the people in the Bible, they don't recognize their names. They don't know the books of the Bible. They don't have a Bible. They've never held a Bible, right? Kids who don't know who God is. So taking all those things into account, you know, what advice would I give is we need a different approach. Hmm. We, we have to take a fundamentally different approach to how we approach ministry to preschoolers, kids, and students especially. But honestly, guys, it's a message to the whole church. Really, the whole church mm-hmm. needs to reach the whole culture with the whole story, the whole truth. And so in that, although the research that we've done is specific to Gen Z uh, and of influencing Generation Alpha, the things that we're talking about are not limited to preschool kids and student spaces. They are really for the whole church. And the advice that I would give, the, the short version of the advice is, look, here's what we know. People don't trust, and this includes kids, people don't trust institutions or organizations or denominations. Those days are gone. Loyalty to institutions, organizations, denominations, brands, companies, all those things are a thing of our generation, of my generation. Kids don't have that. And so with that, what are they loyal to? Well, what, what they have left is they trust individual people who they trust, who they feel they can trust. And so this double click that we have to do on the importance and value of investing in individual relationships to reach this generation is crucial. We, we can't, we can no longer speak to groups. We have to speak to individuals. So from a practical point of view, what that looks like is we need to make sure that we are connecting kids and people in relationships. We can't be in relationship with 500 people necessarily, right? So we need to figure out how we make connections for them that are high value, high return connections. And so part of what we've done in the Flip the Script book is that word flip is, uh, we play with that word. We, we need to turn upside down from what we've done. We need to do it different, right? We're not losing anything. The church has always been about relationships, but we need to prioritize relationships so that we can then earn the right to be heard by this generation. Hmm. And so I have a formula that that's a formula that uh, that I use a lot, and it's T plus R equals I. It's trust plus respect equals influence. Ultimately, we want to be influential in the lives of kids, uh, in the lives of people for the Lord. And so to do that, we have to invest the work that it takes to earn their trust. We don't get that automatically. We have to do the work to earn their respect. They're not just going to give that to us cheaply, right? And so it's when those things come together that we gain influence and the ability to be heard. So in that, we've identified four key relationships. I said we play with that word flip. One is to turn our ministries upside down and what we do. The other is that word flip is an acronym that represents four key relationships that I believe we need to invest in, that every person in our church needs to be connected in these ways. And so they are F-L-I-P, friends is the first one. Friends, every person needs to find a friend at church. You want to go where your friends are. And so we need to go, we need to intentionally connect kids and students into friendships with other kids and students. When your friend is there, you want to be there. And when you feel like you don't know anybody, when you feel like an outsider, 
you don't want to attend and you don't open up, right? We Kids walk in the door with emotional barricades in place. And so we need to connect them relationally so they can see, seen, heard, and valued so that once they feel emotionally safe, their eyes, ears, hearts, and minds are opened to be able to hear and receive the truth of God. So that begins with these flip relationships. So friends is key. We need to intentionally create friendships. Now, you, that doesn't happen in a sit still, be quiet, face forward, listen to the person on the stage format. We have to program in interaction, opportunity to engage and connect and to share, to listen and to talk. And so, again, those don't happen automatically. We've got to figure out how to make that happen. And so friends, the L is a leader. Every kid, every student needs one adult leader who knows their name and their needs and their situations, who cares about their life, who misses them when they're gone and who celebrates them when they walk in the door a week later. We need to have that one adult who is heavily invested in that one child, right? And so in a small group setting, one adult may be able to do that for eight or 10 or 12 different kids, but we need to have an adult who's geared and trained and ready Hmm. to seek out kids and engage them in those one-on-one trust, respect, and influence type uh, engagements. Uh, The other two are influencers. Really, everyone in your church is an influencer in the sense that when kids see adults interacting with other adults, whether that's a greeter at the door, a person who leads games, somebody who leads worship, somebody in the hallway, the parent of another child, these are all influential relationships that are secondary to a friend or leader, but are really essential in letting kids see how Christian adults interact with one another and how they engage their faith uh, that they can observe. And then the P in flip is pastors. It is so essential to even to preschool, to preschool, to kids, to student ministry, that those kids know that that pastor of their church is a person, not a persona. Not a person on a platform at a distance, but a human who who they know that pastor. That pastor is their pastor, right? The pastor of the church is the pastor of the preschool, of the kids, of the students. And so we need to be intentional in preschool kids and students to bring pastors in, in a way that they can see and be seen, hear and be heard, know and be known to build that connection. So friends, leaders, influencers, and pastors, helping build those four key relationships for every child, student, and adult in our church helps them have stronger connection to one another, to the church, and to the faith. Okay, so Scott, I think Chuck has done a a great job of pulling out a lot of the research that was done as well as anecdotal things that we've been learning from churches and betas and focus groups and, and all the above. But what is one thing that was pulled out of the research that was put into action that you are excited about when it comes to this resource? You don't. So here's what you need to know about Scott. Scott does tons of research for not just Lifeway, but other organizations. And I'm not sure what contractual relationships and (laughs) whatever there's, I'm not going to mention too much, but Scott does a ton of research all the time. And I can't imagine constantly be doing research and, and pulling out some of these things and to not see them put into action or, or to say, Hey, you, you paid me to do all this research. 
X denomination and now you didn't do anything with it or whatever. What's one piece that you're like, man, I'm so glad that this was pulled out and put into action. To me, the, the biggest thing with Hi-Fi is that is the starting point. When, when we look at Paul's ministry, he took the same gospel and the same truths everywhere he went. But in each place he went, he understood the context. He listened, he watched. And when we see recorded in the book of Acts, how he started conversations, he always started by giving God's perspective on that local context and the things that people were experiencing in that place. And so what, what I've seen in Hi-Fi is we're going to start with the assumption that most of the kids coming in the room are new. And obviously we're welcoming back kids and we're remembering their names. We're doing all those good things that we ought to do, but we're uh, our going in starting point is even if it's only one kid this week, we are going to start with the assumption that this is an unchurched, a kid from an unchurched family who's never been here before. And, and with that new starting point, we have a chance <laughs> because if we were not starting in that place, again, we're going to share the truth of the gospel. We're not changing any of that. But if we did not start in that place, the walls that we would, we would be putting up to that child are huge. And, and so to see that, that starting place change and yet everything that Chuck just mentioned in, in, in flip just builds on research that we've been doing for, for years. We see that research in the nothing less book. We see that in the within reach book and those principles are things that they have built in. And so it's not just, just that the starting point changed and then it, you know, everything walks away from research. No, everything in the ministry here is relating to what actually works in ministering to young people today. Okay, Chuck, I'm going to ask you for, Actually, I'm going to pull out something that I don't think you address, but I think is in this research that I really like. And that is, you know, we're assuming that people, uh, that children that come through here have zero biblical knowledge. We're not, you know, assuming they know the big Bible stories and whatever. But also feedback that we have heard in the past may have been, hey, this is sometimes difficult for leaders to know or understand, or it assumes the leader has Mm -hmm. this much depth and knowledge. How have the leader guides and what you guys put out there for leaders, how has that shifted or changed? And then finally, tell us where somebody wants to preview this uh, resource, they can find it. Yeah. So first of all, Scott kind of already dropped, kind of a low key dropped the name of the resource. It is called HiFi, spelled H-Y-F-I is the name of the new research uh, resource. And you can find it at myhifi.com. That's M-Y-H-Y-F-I.com. And so that's where you can find samples and preview sessions. You can read about the resource and see what's there. You can look at the study plan. Uh, I alluded to the 12 truths, these 12 simple biblical identity truths that we will be teaching that same truth in preschool kids and students. That's another great thing about this is the whole family is studying the same truth each month. All of that and more, the preview sessions, Todd, are at myhifi.com. So check sure. that out if you want to find out more. But yeah, one of, one of the other assumptions that we, so this one of the, going back to starting points, right? Where did we start with this? Uh, yes, relationship is key. But another thing that we know is we, is, is we needed to revisit assumptions. 
all of our assumptions about who are we talking to and who is facilitating. And so we know, as I listed before, that irregular attendance is something that we need to take into consideration. A lack of a biblical background uh, or a, a Christian worldview, a lack of understanding, a fundamental understanding of who God is or what the Bible is, uh, that it's true. All of those things are assumptions that we cannot afford to make. Now, kids who know those things will breeze right through this, right? They've already got that. That's great. But we can't assume that, right? We need to make assumptions that there's lesser knowledge and define all of our terms. So we're not going to be using uh, Christian jargon without defining something. So we have a little bit of fun as we talk about some of the words that we throw around. You know, we talk about the Lord's Supper and about Habakkuk and whatever else. Uh, The blood of the lamb and all that stuff to an outsider is really confusing. And so part of our approach is we, we talk about having an outsider in strategy where we assume little knowledge and no connection and we bring everyone through that. Uh, part of that is in order to maintain a high, the high level of biblical fidelity that we as LifeWay insist upon, we, we will not compromise our doctrine. We will absolutely teach the truth of God's word. We know it's going to be uh, vetted and, uh, and sound. So you will never accidentally teach heresy when you use a LifeWay resource, right? It's going to be strong. That is true of Hi-Fi as well. So there's no compromise in the content. Uh, we need to define terms and bring people along. Part of that is we don't know who's teaching in any given place. And so, as you mentioned, Todd, what are we doing to take into consideration the fact that we may have a volunteer in a church in I don't know, some state across the country somewhere who who is new in their own faith. There is a volunteer shortage uh, that we've identified. And so we need to make sure that we're setting every volunteer up for success. One of the great things about Hi-Fi as a resource is the fundamental role of the volunteer is not to be a master Bible teacher. We're handling that through media. And so this resource is 100% digital. You can find it on Ministry Grid. It's a great place to find and manage your uh, curriculum, your digital curriculum. This will be only a digital resource. It's really flexible. But what we've done through that is we are doing the heavy lifting of the Bible teaching through on-screen video-led teaching that's age appropriate and that's kid, you know, uses humor and comedy and it's fun. Uh, But we'll be doing the Bible teaching through the video. And then we're asking the leaders in the room to be relationally minded to, to you, to tell a testimony, to share a story, to make a connection from their own life. Therefore, they don't have to do the heavy lifting of the teaching, but they do the connecting of the content and they, they own those key relationships of leader with student. Yeah, we, we are so excited about this content and so excited about this new resource. Um, I want to thank Chuck and Scott for being on the podcast today. Again, you can go to myhifi.com to learn more about this new resource. Uh, you can also, uh, again, read the book, Flip the Script for more of the research and behind the scenes on how we created this resource. But we're really excited about it and thankful for you guys for being on the podcast today. Um, if you have found this to be helpful, we really encourage you to send this podcast maybe to uh, another kids minister somebody else on your team that you think would would benefit from listening to this. And as always, uh, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. But thanks so much for joining us. We'll We'll see you next time.